WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on this Wednesday. It's August 23rd. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off here. Clear skies this morning. Temperatures in the upper 60s around the tri-state later today. Sunny. We'll get up to 77 degrees. Overnight into Thursday, mostly cloudy, 62 the low. And then tomorrow, Thursday, a chance of rain. Cloudy otherwise, 74 the high. Friday, showers are likely in the morning, mostly cloudy. 81 the high. 67 degrees in Midtown Manhattan, 61 in Summit, New Jersey, 64 in Syosset on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So it feels like everybody's on vacation this week in New York. Noam Laden being out this week is a good example of that. But, you know, the city is quiet. The roads are quiet. Traffic really isn't too bad getting home. And it makes me think of going on vacation, specifically going on vacation as a kid. And kind of just the fun activities that you get into. I remember very well going down to the family house. We would rent the same place every year in Ocean Beach, New Jersey. It's a tiny little section of Lavalette. And the activities would include things like, you know, going miniature golfing. You go down to the Bay Beach and have some fun down there. A lot of crabbing. Of course, happy hour every day. But one thing in particular stuck out to me, kind of the quaint nature of looking back on life before the cell phone age as Every year when we'd go down to Ocean Beach, my father would stay back at home, and I'd go with my brother and my mom down to visit with her family, her side of the family. So once or twice a week, we'd check in with Dad. But we didn't have cell phones, so what did we do? We walked to the end of the block. There was a little clubhouse there, and a payphone alongside. A Bell Bell Atlantic payphone. And so, for whatever it was, a quarter, probably at that time, you put it in, you make the phone call back to Dad. He knew that we'd be calling. He expected it. He was eating his spaghetti and meatballs. My mom had left him in the Tupperware for the week. And we'd check in on him, tell him about the crabbing and the happy hour and the activities and stuff like that. But not so much in touch with the cell phone. You walk to the end of the block, and you use the payphone. All right, let's get into our top five headlines here. The top five at five. Former Suffolk County Police Chief James Burke is under arrest again. A missing five-year-old girl from Queens is safe after first being reported missing yesterday. Details are emerging concerning that shooting at an illegal party on Long Island. And a State Department memo seems to call into question President Biden's actions concerning Ukraine. Finally, Mayor Eric Adams continues his trip in Israel after meeting the Prime Minister yesterday. So former Suffolk County Police Chief James Burke has been arrested, accused of soliciting a prostitute in a park on Long Island. You may recall he was convicted of beating up a man who was in handcuffs in police custody and pled guilty in 2016 and was then sentenced to 46 months in federal prison. It was back in December 2012 when he beat up the Smithtown man. Prosecutors say it was because the guy had stolen sex toys and porn from Burke's police car. 
And there's been all kinds of rumors and stories about Burke's tendency to visit sex workers over the years. Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison says Burke was arrested at the Vietnam War Memorial in Farmingville yesterday as part of a park ranger sting operation. He's being charged with offering a sex act, indecent exposure, public lewdness, and criminal solicitation, fifth degree. The 58-year-old Burke was released from federal prison in 2018 after serving time for being involved in a corruption scandal. He was sentenced to 46 months in prison. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Yeah, and the story would be interesting on its own, of course. Uh, you know, a former top cop that is, in this case, having been arrested and previously convicted, arrested again. But the alleged cover-up that went into what happened there with and the crime he was convicted of is especially concerning because of what it may speak to allegedly or potentially investigations should be done about how much corruption may be involved there. And many accuse Burke of slow walking the investigation or at least failing to include FBI investigators early enough in terms of the Gilgo Beach murders, maybe because he didn't want to be looked at too closely. For what it's worth, by the way, Burke accused of soliciting a male prostitute there at that park yesterday. Park rangers took him into custody. They didn't realize who he was at first. Not until he identified himself and said who he was, do you know who I am? Sergeant Brian Quattrini says Burke tried to avoid arrest by explaining who he was. He was expressing to us how um, this would uh, you know, be a public humiliation for him. I can assure you that our own Curtis Sliwa and Sid Rosenberg coming up this morning on Sid and Friends. They'll have more to say about this. They've been all over the Gilgo Beach story as well. And again, like we said, there might be some potential connections to Burke in terms of his unwillingness to include FBI investigators early on. A girl who went missing from a supermarket in Queens yesterday morning has been found. Cops say Genesis Inamagua officially went missing around 9 a.m. at Food Town Supermarket on 37th Avenue in Queens, but she was found safe and sound at the 74th Street Roosevelt subway station around 4.30, two blocks from where they were last seen. The child was in good spirits. Photos captured her on a cop's shoulders. According to reports, quoting NYPD sources, the man in question who was with the girl knows the little girl's mother. And the mom let the man take her to the park yesterday morning, but then lost contact with them somehow. And she didn't see them at the park when she went looking. So the call went out to police around 1 o'clock yesterday that she was missing. Again, connecting back to, I guess, the supermarket visit. And NBC News 4 reporters caught up with a woman, uh, a woman that was pushing a stroller and leading her own children along the sidewalk who saw the pair at Travers Park in Queens. And you saw this, this man? This man? Yes, same man, same man. I saw him in the Travis Park. He's playing in the swing. He's going in the slide. And, I, and he's with the little girl. Yeah, yeah, this girl. I saw her. Morning, morning I saw her. And he's feeding ice cream and all. So anyway, the little girl, thankfully, safe and sound. And not clear if cops intend to charge the guy who was still in custody as of late last night, the guy who was with the girl. Stay up to date on the stories around the Tri-State here this morning. 5.08 WABC News time. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden. So like we said, that little girl in Queens is okay. The little girl's grandma broke down in tears upon hearing that that was the case. And we're going to move to Long Island now. At least one person is dead following a shooting at a Long Island party yesterday. Nassau Police Commissioner Patrick Ryder said the call came in about shots being fired at an illegal gathering in Valley Stream Monday night. Detective Lieutenant Richard LeBrun said it was around 8.30 on Monday night when a male assailant appeared from 131st Avenue from Queens and fired eight times, striking multiple people 
One of them was a 20-year-old Brooklyn male. He got hit in the chest. He was taken to a local area hospital where he was pronounced. Another victim was a 12-year-old male who was just inside the doorway. He got struck in the left upper shoulder area. The 12-year-old remains hospitalized in stable condition. Three other teens were treated and released for injuries. Not clear if those were gunshot wounds or, you know, sometimes things happen when people are running from a scene like that. Police Commissioner in Nassau County, Patrick Ryder, said Monday's party had been promoted via social media. It was sent throughout, obviously, with the community and invited a crowd of people there where they were serving alcohol and possibly also uh, liquid marijuana. So uh, what Ryder had gone on to say was that, you know, this was not a legal gathering. They didn't have the right to serve alcohol there. And yesterday we'd heard from residents in the area who say, you know, these kind of gatherings have become commonplace at this at this event space in Valley Stream. And Ryder is saying cops want to get people to stop trying to promote these parties on social media because, you know, eventually they go viral and tons of people do show up. We go on social media media proactively to go after and shut down these types of parties. What I'm asking the community, if you know of any of them that are on social media, media to contact us. The investigation ongoing, no arrests have been made, cops asking for the public's help locating the suspect, and, you know, in essence, also asking parents to keep an eye on what kids may be looking at on social media in terms of the potential for these parties. A State Department memo is calling into question President Biden's actions while serving as vice president in regards to Ukraine, in January of 2018, a now well-known video clip captured Biden talking about his holding back loan guarantees while telling officials in Ukraine they wouldn't get those loan guarantees unless a prosecutor was fired. We're talking about Viktor Shokin. Well, we'll get through these clips here because it's got to go one by one. Really important to follow it. What we're hearing about the State Department memo, if it bears out, and if that memo proves true, again, this was in January 2018, the audio we're about to play, at a meeting of the, on the Council on Foreign Relations. Biden would have been a civilian at the time. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. So he's referring to a situation back in 2016, and in essence, not even you know trying to editorialize here, Biden's sort of bragging. He may have known he'd run for president. He, he may have been also in kind of campaign mode. But he struck a tone of bravado in telling the story. We continue. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against a state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference and said, no, nah. I said, I'm not going to or we're not going to give you the billion dollars. Petro Poroshenko, who he's referring to, was president of Ukraine from 2014 to 2019. Yatsenyuk was prime minister at the time. So let's connect to this State Department memo we alluded to at the beginning of this particular section here. We'll get you some audio from journalist John Solomon of Just the News, who joined Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC last night. He's reporting on a memo from the State Department in 2015, which recommended that the prosecutor Biden wanted fired in that clip, Victor Shokin, the State Department said he should remain in office and keep doing his thing because, according to their officials, he was doing a good job investigating and cracking down on corruption in Ukraine. Now, the connection to Biden is his son, Hunter Biden, who worked for Burisma, an oil and gas company that Shokin was reportedly investigating. Biden, at that 2018 Council on Foreign Relations interview, brought it all home regarding his move against Shokin at that time. 
They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. And then John Solomon, last night on Cats and Cosby, provided more color on how that move was allegedly not what State Department officials had called for, per that memo. U.S. policymakers from the State Department, the Treasury Department, Justice Department got together in the fall of 2015 and recommended that Joe Biden give a billion-dollar aid package to uh, Ukraine because the Ukrainian prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, had been making progress fighting corruption. He had implemented anti-corruption reforms, just like the uh, Obama-Biden administration had been asking Joe Biden then turned around and did the opposite. He threatened to withhold the billion dollars and uh, did so to try to force the firing of a prosecutor who at that very moment was stepping up his investigation of Hunter Biden. So this whole situation continues to swirl for Biden, Hunter Biden, President Biden, special counsel David Weiss already investigating Hunter's alleged tax crimes after the plea deal fell apart. But it's potentially just a really fascinating thing here, depending on how it all plays out, because Trump, Former President Trump, you may recall, was impeached the first time around for allegedly taking part in a quid pro quo, where House Democrats said that he had asked President Zelensky to investigate Biden for corruption, specifically with regards to Burisma, I think. But if this State Department memo bears out, then Biden actually more or less did that, saying, hey, look, do this or else you're not getting this and bragged about it on stage. So, for sure, I would imagine Republicans will be investigating that in Congress in the coming weeks. Back here in the city, but really connecting to the Middle East, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is learning about Israeli technology. While making a number of stops on his visit to Israel this week, Adams says he met with large Israeli tech companies yesterday. We wanted to know how did we remove the barriers to continue to grow uh, Israeli tech startups in uh, New York City. It was an eye-opening experience. An eye-opening experience, the mayor says, and we'll learn more about his trip to Israel in just a couple minutes here. But right now, WABC News Time, 5.15, and that means we get a check of sports with executive producer of Sid and Friends in the Morning, Justin Ellick. Thank you, James. We'll start here in the Bronx. Things remain right at rock bottom for the Yankees, losing 2-1 to one to the Washington Nationals in the first of three. Tied at one in the eighth after another night of almost zero offensive production from the Yanks. They had only two hits on the night. Tommy Canely played the scapegoat by allowing the go-ahead homer to C.J. Abrams and Washington the win. The now nine-game losing streak for New York marks their longest since 1982 with the team going winless since uh, beating the Marlins on August 11th in Miami. They've been outscored 53-20 to in that span and have not held a lead since the second inning of their loss in Atlanta on August 14th. They'll try and avoid doing something they haven't done since playing in the polo grounds, and that's lose 10 straight when they get Game 2 against Washington underway in the Bronx tonight. 7.05 p.m. is first pitch with Luis Severino getting the start against Mackenzie Gore. In Atlanta, the Braves exacted their revenge on the Mets with a 3-2 win in the middle game of a three-game set after taking a beating from New York in Game 1. All of this game's runs came uh, via the long ball. Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna did the damage for Atlanta, while Daniel Volkebach launched a two-run shot that would account for the only Mets runs. New York will go for the series win tonight at 7.20 p.m. in Atlanta. 
Jose Quintana will take the hill against Atlanta's Charlie Morton. And looking ahead locally, as we are all week, to the final slate of preseason games coming up this weekend for the NFL. The Jets and Giants will go head-to-head at 6 p.m. on Saturday night in a game that will indeed get a glimpse of Aaron Rodgers under center for Gang Green. So we're looking forward to seeing big number eight out there, James. And that's sports yeah. on 77 WABC, and I'm Justin Ellick. Justin, you know, it's never a good thing, I, I don't think, when the Yankees or Mets are talking about the polo grounds. No, 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 no. Milestones. Because the Mets only played, what, a couple years there when they were just the awful exactly. early expansion. And exactly. I, look, didn't, I didn't even know the Yankees you know, regularly play, ever played games I don't there. think they ever really did regularly play there. But uh, I, I guess for at least a year, maybe, you know, or you know, some of a year. But, uh, but yeah, that's a long time ago. And uh, that creative stadium, that's really, <laughs> that's really what it looks like, the mm-hmm. Polo Grounds. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a tough sell, the Yanks, to get uh, really anybody to care about them at this point. <laughs> so, that's, Not, why we're, that's why we're looking ahead to football, James. Yes, very much so. <laughs> All right, the crisp fall weather and some gridiron action. You know it. So Mayor Adams is continuing his trip to Israel. That will continue in Tel Aviv today. He's due back in the five boroughs tomorrow. And Adams says his team will come up with a blueprint on how to expand Israeli tech startups following his meeting with tech companies in Israel. Because there was some clear specifics of what those who wanted to do business in New York identified as the barriers to expanding. Mayor Adams says he saw food technology in action, including honey made without bees. We were also able to see uh, lab meat in other form, laboratory meat and other forms of meat byproducts that's made out of natural products with zero fat. And I know Adams is uh, a a vegan or maybe a pescatarian, so I'm not sure if he's allowed to eat lab-grown meat or not. (laughs) Meanwhile, the mayor met with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and leaders that are part of a protest movement. He also went to the World Holocaust Remembrance Center. So the technology uh, exploration, discussions on how to combat anti-Semitism, that's all part of the official reason that Adams made the trip to Israel. Of course, from a political perspective, also likely he's shoring up his connections to the Jewish community and his political bona fides ahead of a run at a second term as mayor. WABC News Time 519, James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning on the 5 a.m. news hour here on 77 WABC in Maui. Lahaina, officially, it's still 115 in terms of the official death toll following that devastating fire. But 850 people remain unaccounted for. And questions continue to mount as to how many kids were killed and their grandparents. Even though parents were likely at at work that day, it was August 8th when the most devastating fire did its damage in Lahaina. School had been canceled after the first brush fire broke out that morning. And kids were sent home. And then we know later that day when the fire picked back up and just started to absolutely rage and grow into an inferno, the fire eventually moved at a mile a minute. Now, everywhere you turn, there's a seeming political side to this. You know, people aren't happy about the federal government's response in some cases. Reuters tweeting out last night on X talking about the eastern Canada wildfires, saying that climate change made those wildfires twice as likely for scientists. And Hawaii Governor Josh Green was quick to blame climate change there when that fire first broke out. Those comments, similar to what Kathy Hochul and Governor Phil Murphy said when we had our orange haze here in the tri-state. But in a recent article from Deutsche Welle, or DW, a German publication that also reports in English, they talk about how it's important that firefighters adapt and change tactics 
if indeed climate change is to blame and if indeed climate change is here to stay in terms of these wildfires. Now, nighttime firefighting is apparently less effective, this report says, because once upon a time, the firefighters would be able to make some hay, make some progress during the cooler overnight temperatures. But apparently these particular fires are burning with such an intensity and such a heat that that's not really part of the deal here. So the article, again, in DW, is talking about the need for more prescribed burns. And that's when fire officials take action and look to burn certain areas within control because it's so dry and there's so much brush and so much fuel for a potential fire that they want to kind of burn some of that back in a controlled fashion before a wildfire might break out. And this article I'm referring to also talks about the importance of removing certain grasses, especially non-native grasses, that really will burn like tinder when they dry out. And that's a big part of what happened in Lahaina, per reports, because on Maui there were once upon a time a lot of sugar and pineapple plantations. And they've since gone away, whether it's in you know Australia or South America, uh, various plantations on the mainland, that's where pineapples are grown, and that's where sugarcane is more commonly grown now. So on Maui, in parts of Hawaii, elsewhere, those former plantations have been replaced by these grasses, these non-native grasses that officials like because they're very easy to maintain. You know, they, they stay alive even in a period of drought, but they are losing a lot of moisture. They're still very dry as plants, and they're very flammable. After two weeks, the three wildfires burning on Maui are still not fully contained. The Lahaina fire said to be 90% contained, having burned through 2,170 acres of land, destroying more than 2,200 structures. There's also the Olinda fire that's 85% contained, the Kula fire, 85% contained. None of those are threatening life or property. And FEMA officials responding to the fire that destroyed the historic town of Lahaina are reportedly staying at $1,000 per night luxury hotels. According to the Daily Mail UK, FEMA officials have been criticized for their slow response to the devastation. The outlet suggests that the officials who are staying 45 minutes outside of Lahaina at three five-star hotels, the Fairmont Kiolani, the Four Seasons, and the Grand Wailea Astoria, may not be in a hurry to leave their luxury accommodations. Victims of the fire have also complained about the one-time $700 payments to buy food, clothing, and other essentials. President Biden approved $7 million tax dollars for FEMA to respond to the disaster. According to the Daily Mail, most of that is going toward putting up as many as 1,000 FEMA staffers. I'm Phil Hewlett. And for those of you who are on X or Instagram or other places where you get memes, as they say, those online jokes kind of referring to life as we know it, yes, $700 per person in Maui, you know, those wildfires having just completely upended people's lives they're going to get seven hundred dollars per person from the federal government the memes i'm referring to online jokes drawing distinction between that amount of money in the millions and all the money we're sending to ukraine meanwhile residents in hawaii they eat the most spam in the nation it was earlier this week or i guess maybe the end of last week when we talked about how um, that dates back to world war ii when gis were served spam and it's kind of since become part of the cultural fabric of hawaii to serve fried spam and rice well now a huge shipment of the canned meat is headed to maui survivors hormel is shipping more than one million dollars worth of canned meat to maui 
Hormel's crew hopes the little cans offer some nourishment and a little comfort to Maui's Ohana, the survivors of the Maui wildfires. Companies also selling T-shirts online, 20 bucks. All the proceeds go to the Aloha United Way's Maui Fire Relief Fund. Hormel's also matching money raised by its employees for a Maui food bank. I'm Lucinda Kay. Back here in the tri-state, a wildfire in a New Jersey state forest just outside Philadelphia has now consumed more than 1,500 acres. It's said to be 85% contained. This one broke out on Sunday, tearing through Wharton State Forest in Waterford Township, quickly spread from Camden County to Burlington County. It's the 13th major wildfire in New Jersey this year. One road, Jackson Road, did have to be closed, but no evacuations ordered and no injuries. In North Jersey, a school in Patterson won't be opening on time for the start of the school year. Patterson Public School number 3 going to have to be shut until further notice. This due to the partial collapse of the first floor's plaster ceiling. Uh, it's an over 124-year-old building. And that plaster collapse was discovered in July. Nobody was injured. The kids weren't there at the time. Because of the incident, there will be an asbestos cleanup. That's going to take 16 weeks. So the 300 students or so who attend school there will go to classes at three other schools. In the city, in the Queens jogger case, the murder of Karina Vetrano, lawyers for the convicted killer, Chanel Lewis, want his conviction overturned, claiming cops used a racial dragnet leading up to his arrest. Vetrano was 30 years old when she was attacked while jogging in a wooded area. Lewis who is now 27, is serving a life sentence. But his attorneys, including Ron Kuby, Curtis Sliwa's old radio partner, say prosecutors failed to disclose the use of a dragnet in which hundreds of men, black men, were allegedly tested, their DNA was tested. So court documents submitted Monday want that conviction overturned. Well, it's starting to really feel like the talk of masks and COVID-19 is bubbling up. There's headlines talking about new uh, COVID cases on the rise. And a private Atlanta college will be requiring face masks for two weeks. So is a Hollywood movie studio. A private Atlanta college will be requiring face masks for two weeks. Leaders at Morris Brown said this week that precautionary measures are being taken due to an increase in COVID cases. The school's president tells the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that no cases have been identified on their campus specifically. Hollywood studio Lionsgate is bringing back a mask mandate for its Santa Monica office. The move comes in response to a new wave of employees catching COVID. The studio also wants people to self-screen before coming in. The CDC says COVID hospital admissions are up 14% across the country this week as a new COVID variant called EG5 has become dominant. I'm Michael Kastner. James Flippin filling in for Noel Bladen on the 5 a.m. news hour. So when we come back, we're going to have more talk about masks and what's going on in terms of COVID-19. Reportedly, cases are on the rise and that talk of masks, it's bubbling up again. Plus, we're going to have to get into the GOP primary debate that's in Milwaukee tonight. How are GOP voters there in Wisconsin reacting to the fact that former President Trump won't be part of the debate? We'll find out more about that. Also, what are the candidates taking part in the debate thinking? And the migrant crisis continues here in New York. Last night at Floyd Bennett Field, our own Curtis Sliwa and Sid Rosenberg took part in a rally. We'll talk about that. And not to be outdone, we've got a new study on a room, one particular room that Americans tend to avoid in their house. WABC News Time, 530. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden. Those stories and much more after this. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning, James Flippin, filling in for Noah Layden on this Wednesday, August 23rd. It is 532. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast here. Clear skies this morning. Temperatures in the upper 60s. Later today, sunny and 77 degrees the high. Overnight into Thursday, mostly cloudy, 62 the low. Tomorrow, Thursday, a chance of rain. Cloudy otherwise, 74 where we'll top out. And then Friday looks like showers are likely in the morning. Mostly cloudy otherwise, 81 the high. 65 degrees in Midtown Manhattan, 60 degrees in Summit, New Jersey, 63 in Syosset on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So we were talking about how it seems like mask talk is back. Talk about wearing masks because of COVID-19. And closer to home in Syracuse, New York, a hospital is responding to those rising COVID cases. Face masks are once again required at two hospitals under the Syracuse Upstate Medical System, University, and Community General. In a memo, the hospital reimposed the mandatory mask policy for patients, staff, and visitors. COVID testing is also required for all patients being admitted to the hospitals as well. The hospital cited an increase in COVID cases among staff and hospital patients for the precaution. The policy will be reviewed again in three weeks. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. And Hollywood studio Lionsgate is bringing back its mask mandate for its Santa Monica office. The move coming in response to a new wave of the studio's employees catching COVID. The studio also wants people to self-screen before coming in. The CDC says COVID hospital admissions are up 14% across the country this week. And as you heard there in our other report, a new variant, EG5, is now what doctors are looking at in terms of being dominant. WABC Time Check 534 brought to you by the Ray Katina Porsche Time Desk. It's experience luxury driving in a 2023 Porsche Macan lease for 949 a month for 39 months at Ray Katina Porsche in Edison 949 do it signing to qualified buyers tax licensing registration extra details at raykatinaporsche.com so tonight the debate for uh, the GOP primary contenders will be in Milwaukee some GOP voters in Wisconsin are sounding off and expressing their disappointment in former President Trump's decision to skip that debate, a group of voters speaking with Fox News, calling it a missed opportunity. I think he's making a really big error not being here, so he's leaving the field open. And this woman who voted for Trump in the last election expressed doubt about his appeal if he wins the GOP nom. I think um, going into this next election, though, it's going to be all about kind of those middle voters. And that's who I want to see is someone that can bridge the divide. And... Um, I'm not sure that Donald Trump can do that. I think he's very polarizing and divisive as much as I love him. And I'm looking for a lead candidate like a Ron DeSantis to come out. And this woman uh, we're going to hear from here, she may be hoping against hope because she's taking part or she's going to watch the debate. But she hopes that those participating focus on the issues rather than attacking one another. But, of course, the debates are kind of seemingly always about them attacking one another. I want to hear them tell me why I should vote for them. I don't want them to tell me why I shouldn't vote for the other person on the stage. I don't like when they use their time that way. She may be disappointed, but that's okay. The panel of voters said they believe the general election will one day come down to Biden and Trump. 
In June, a Marquette Law School poll found Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis were running neck and neck among Republican voters in Wisconsin for the party's nomination. Recent poll numbers have DeSantis sort of sinking in some cases, but businessman Vivek Ramaswamy, he and DeSantis will arguably stand front and center during the debate. While DeSantis is considered to be the strongest candidate to challenge the party's frontrunner Donald Trump, recent polls have shown Ramaswamy edging closer to DeSantis for the number two spot. An Emerson College poll showed the two tied at 10% support each, trailing Trump, who leads with 56% support. Trump has decided to skip the debate and has instead recorded an interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson. I'm Mark Mayfield. Trump's interview with the former Fox News host is expected to be streamed at some point tonight on X. Trump earlier this week had confirmed his plans not to attending the event, and he cited his large lead over primary opponents in most polls. So eight Republican candidates will take the stage. We told you about DeSantis. We told you about Ramaswamy. Former Vice President Mike Pence will also be among those participating. One name who won't be participating is Larry Elder, a writer and radio host from California. He's expected to be part of the debate stage, or he expected to be part of the debate stage, but won't be, and says he should be. We'll hear audio from him in just a moment here. WABC News Time 539, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 5 a.m. news hour. So, writer, radio host Larry Elder from California, he expected to be in Milwaukee tonight for that GOP primary debate, but won't be, and explained on social media how that came to be. Well, we'll get that audio in a second. I'm having an issue with that particular cut. But uh, basically, paraphrasing for him now, what he had said was that there were some requirements that he apparently didn't meet in order to participate in the debate. He thought that he had. And one of the issues, one of the sticking points, is a poll that he submitted in terms of, you know, you have to have certain donations, you have to have certain poll numbers, and that's where you eventually do qualify to participate. But like we said, DeSant- uh, not DeSantis, Elder explained that that didn't happen for him, and this is what he heard from the GOP committee. LAX in Wheaton, Milwaukee, I was just informed by the RNC that I'm not qualified for the debate. Why? Even though I exceeded the 40,000 individual donations required, uh, even though I signed the pledge to support the eventual nominee, uh, even though I submitted three polls where I was at least at 1%, I was informed that one of the polls is not eligible. It's the Rasmussen poll, even though it was the most accurate poll in predicting that Donald Trump would win in 2016. They say it is affiliated with Donald Trump, and therefore uh, it is not eligible. And that's via Elder on X. And I can only guess it's because Rasmussen is also considered a right-wing poll, a right-leaning poll. But i got to tell you, having read so many of these polls over the years, Quinnipiac, Monmouth, YouGov, CBS News, whatever, they're plenty biased. And they haven't really proven to be that accurate in the past either. So it seems pretty silly to hold Elder off the stage based off some poll that may or may not exist or be accurate. So anyway, back here in New York, the migrant crisis continues. And last night at Floyd Bennett Field, our own Curtis Sliwa and Sid Rosenberg took part in a rally opposing the federal government, state, and city coming together and putting up a tent city there at Floyd Bennett Field. So here's Sid speaking last night. I think the goal is to uh, make everybody in this neighborhood aware of what uh, they're trying to do. Uh, this is a calamity. This uh, starts with the President of the United States, goes right to his Homeland Security guy, Mayorkas. 
Uh, not, those guys lie all the time about the border being closed. Clearly, it's not closed. You don't close the border. Then you put Hochul Adams in a tough situation. They're both liars, too. This is a complete system failure from the mayor to the governor to the Homeland Security director to the vice president to the president. Everybody's lying to us and failing us. We're out tonight to expose the truth. Now, there's millions of dollars being provided for caseworkers that are going to be working with migrants there at Floyd Bennett Field. Again, if this goes forward, there could be up to 2,000 people, 2,000 migrants being sheltered there at Floyd Bennett Field. Curtis Sliwa, not to be outdone, he shared his thoughts at the rally. The first of many demonstrations will end up with thousands. You start with hundreds, but we're going to stop the tents. They don't belong here. And uh, I noticed uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, where is he? No vacation in Israel, right? He created this mess. Kathy Hochul says she was negotiating to have a migrant center here for months against the will of the people. They say they won't put migrant centers in flood zones. When, when anybody knows Superstorm Sandy, right? This we is a flood zone. So they've lied every step of the way. And all I say is follow the money. This is about money. It's about billions of dollars. You say contract, I say kickback. Let's follow the money. Now, this week, federal approval came down for a tent city there at Floyd Bennett Field. Hundreds turned out for that rally, upwards of 2,000, like we told you, could be housed at the site if it goes forward. And legal questions continue surrounding whether or not a national park can even be used in this way. The federal government signing off on New York State and New York City coming together to house migrants there, these residents reacting. If they have to uh, house people there, better than sleep on the streets of the city of New York. You know, outside the Roosevelt Hotel is terrible, you know. they got to find some very aggressive way of processing them, bringing them into the community. Floyd Benefield is probably not as intrusive a place as others. Inflating into people's communities. So what can we do? If they're going to house them there, they're going to house them there. New York City just basically scrambling to find places to put migrants. The city says it's out of shelter room. Meanwhile, migrants just continue to pour in. And the Floyd Bennett Field Emergency Relief Center will be the third state-funded shelter for migrants to open. WABC News Time 544. That's brought to you by the Ray Katina Porsche Time Check. Ray Katina Porsche. Experience luxury driving in a 2023 Porsche Macan. Lease for $949 a month for 39 months at Ray Katina Porsche in Edison. $949 due at signing to qualified buyers. Tax, licensing, registration extra. Details at RayKatinaPorsche.com. How about Long Island Republican Congressman George Santos? He's calling for the border to be closed while protesting an asylum seeker shelter, a migrant shelter in Queens yesterday morning. We have homeless people through the wazoo in this country. Homelessness is a crisis in America. And yet we're taking in more people and diverting resources and diluting resources away from Americans. We need to close the floodgates. We need to answer and figure out the issue that's already at hand. We need court dates. We need more judges in the immigration courts to be able to address this issue because it's out of control. The Republican against the use of the Creedmoor Psychiatric Center as a migrant tent city. That's in his district. And it was set up this week for that purpose. Not here. Put it where people are voting for. Put it in Jamal Bowman's district. Put it in AOC's district. Put it in districts that are overwhelmingly voting for these policies. And that's actually probably something that he and Curtis Lee will agree on. So we'll hear more from a Republican who's challenging Congressman George Santos for his seat in Congress. And he's got some thoughts on the migrant crisis as well. Republican Greg Hack, somebody we spoke to yesterday. 
Right now, WABC News Time, 545, and that means it's going to be time to get a sports update from Justin Ellick. Thank you, James Flippin. Start here in the Bronx. Things remain right at rock bottom for the Yankees. Losing 2-1 to the Washington Nationals in the first of three. Set at one in the eighth inning after another of uh, another night, I should say, of almost zero offensive production from the Yanks. Tommy Kingley played the scapegoat by allowing a go-ahead homer to C.J. Abrams to hand Washington the win. The now nine-game losing streak for New York marks their longest since 1982, with the team going winless since be, uh, beating the Marlins on August 11th in Miami. They've been outscored 53-20 to in that span and not held the lead since the second inning of their loss in Atlanta on August 14th. They'll try and avoid doing something they haven't done since playing in the polo grounds, and that's lose 10 straight when they get Game 2 against Washington underway in the Bronx tonight. 7.05 p.m. is first pitch with Luis Severino getting the start against Mackenzie Gore. In Atlanta, the Braves exacted their revenge on the Mets with a 3-2 win in the middle game of a three-game set after taking a beating from New York in Game 1. All of this game's runs came via the long ball. Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna did the damage for Atlanta, while Daniel Vogelbach launched a two-run shot that would account for the only Mets' runs. New York will go for the series win tonight at 7.20 p.m. in Atlanta. Jose Quintana will take the hill against Atlanta's Charlie Morton. And looking ahead locally to the final slate of preseason games coming up this weekend for the NFL, the Jets and Giants will go head-to-head at 6 p.m. on Saturday night in a game that will indeed get a glimpse of Aaron Rodgers under center for Gang Green Sports on 77. James, I'm Justin Ellick. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So Republican Greg Hack is running against George Santos for Congress. Sort of an unfortunate surname when you're in politics. But uh, he says that Santos just can't be trusted. First, our representative in Congress took an oath to our country that can't be trusted because nothing he says can be believed. I took that same oath when I joined the United States Air Force to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And I'll honor that until the day that I die. And Hack shared his thoughts on the migrant situation. We can't allow the United States to be a sanctuary for illegal immigrants who threaten public safety. We have set records for illegal border crossings in each of Joe Biden's first two years in office. And sadly, we're on track for another illegal border crossing record yet again this year. So pivoting off the migrant crisis and heading into your home. A new study says a quarter of all Americans avoid one specific room in their house. Realtors will tell you kitchens sell a home, but a new study by Fresh Express, the salad people, says one in four Americans never set foot in their own kitchens. Those polled say cooking is hard with too many steps and it's just easier to order takeaway. I'm Bree Tennis. What do we want? Labor unions in New York City are supporting actors and writers who have now been on strike for months. The Manhattan Street in front of Amazon and HBO headquarters looked more like a block party yesterday as labor unions and elected officials joined with striking writers and actors for a national day of solidarity. It's actually quite pathetic that the CEOs of these companies have to be begged by thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people for them to do the right thing. Who is going to be this industry? That is the fight. Ezra Knight is the local president of SAG after New York. He says he's in awe of the support that they've received in their fight against production companies. And they underestimated the tenacity, the resolve, and the unity of the power of labor behind us. And I want to thank you. I'm moved almost to tears because this is such a powerful moment. Meanwhile, the Writers Guild of America has been hitting the picket line every day. They've been on strike for more than 100 days at this point. Our employers see our sweat and they think that means we're ready to give up. But we are not ready to give up because what they don't realize is that we aren't straining to avoid falling down. 
We are exerting our effort collectively to hold one another up. The sticking point negotiations surrounding things like compensation and also artificial intelligence, actors and writers say that they need more protection against emerging artificial intelligence in terms of them being replaced by digital recreations. They've been calling for contracts, better royalty payments in the age of streaming. And the strikes have basically brought Hollywood production to a complete standstill with the fall production lineup already scrapped. Fans worried it could bleed into yet another year. A child is being treated but's expected to be okay after being attacked by a bear in Westchester County. Authorities say a seven-year-old boy was playing in the woods near his family home when he was attacked. You know, we live in the woods here, and that is a scary thing. I've not heard of that happening around here. Um, it's alarming. we seen a bear on our property two years ago, yes. so I know they're around. North Castle police shot the bear when they arrived at the scene. The boy's parents were administering aid. The bear was considered a threat, and the State Department of Environmental Conservation is testing it for rabies. Bear sightings relatively normal in Westchester County and nearby neighborhoods in Connecticut. North Castle police explaining how they shot the bear. Our concern was he did not retreat, so at one point he did advance, um, and when you have that many human beings, I would think that an animal of that kind would normally retreat, and it did not. More than 3,000 movie theaters across the country will offer discounted tickets this Sunday. In honor of National Cinema Day, all movies in all formats will cost less than $4. That even includes Oppenheimer in IMAX if showtimes aren't already sold out. This marks the second annual National Cinema Day hosted by the Cinema Foundation. Last year's event was the most attended day at the movies in 2022. I'm Mark Mayfield. If you're going to be flying Labor Day weekend, a heads up, the metro area airports are in the top 20 when it comes to the most delays. Travel booking site Price for Limo says Newark Liberty Airport has the second most flight delays. JFK came in ninth. LaGuardia was at 15 out of 20. The site says it looks like Labor Day travel from 50 of the most travel airports will, what is this saying here? Flight data from 2017 through 2022 is what they studied. Looking at today's economic calendar, economic data, new home sales will be due out for July. Yesterday, the National Association of Realtors published existing home sales. Sales of pre-owned homes fell to their lowest level in six months in July. The National Association of Realtors says existing home sales slowed 2.2% to an annual rate of around 4 million units. The group's chief economist citing the lack of available housing and higher mortgage rates in terms of keeping buyers on the sidelines. All four regions of the country registered year-over-year declines. The median price for an existing home in July, $406,700. Earlier this week, U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa says realtors are telling him mortgage rates need to drop to shake open the real estate market in the state. If you got a 30-year mortgage at 3% interest, you're not going to sell that house and go out and get a new loan for 7 or 8% interest. That said, there is sign that change may be coming, at least on that front. The Federal Reserve has been slowing its rate hike campaign, which is intended to slow inflation. And on Wall Street yesterday, stocks finished higher. The Dow was up 132 points. Staying with financial news, the Teamsters Union ratifying a five-year deal at UPS puts an end to the threat of a strike. The union announcing yesterday that 86% of its members had voted for the contract, which will be retroactively in effect, starting August 1st, the Teamsters president said it was the best contract in the history of UPS and said it should be used as a template for worker protection across the country.
Getting back into our top five headlines here, WABC News Time 555, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning. So former Suffolk County Chief of Police James Burke has been arrested, accused of soliciting a prostitute in a park on Long Island. You may recall he was convicted of beating up a man who was in handcuffs in police custody. He pled guilty back in 2016 and was sentenced to 46 months in federal prison. Of course, he's been accused in a cover-up in that case. And this is all a story that would be interesting on its own, but the connection to the Gilgo Beach murders investigation is also something to talk about because many accuse Burke of being slow to include FBI investigators prior to when Rex Hewerman was identified as a suspect. A girl who went missing from a supermarket in Queens early yesterday morning has been found. Genesis Inamagua found safe and sound at the 74th Street Roosevelt subway station around 4.30 yesterday. She was in good spirits. Photos in news reports showed her on a cop's shoulders. And according to reports, quoting NYPD sources, the man that she was with, the man that the little girl was with, is 75 years old, he knew the girl's mother, and she had apparently given permission for the man to take her to the park. But then later they lost contact. Mom went to the park, didn't see the pair, and that's when they called cops. So it's not clear if that guy is going to be charged, but he was in custody as of last night. At least one person is dead following a shooting at a Long Island party yesterday. Nassau Police Commissioner Patrick Ryder said they received calls about shots fired at an illegal gathering in Valley Stream Monday night. Among those who were hit by gunfire, there was eight shots fired, striking multiple people, one of them a 20-year-old Brooklyn male who later died at the hospital. A 12-year-old remains hospitalized in stable condition. Three other teens were treated and released for injuries police commissioner patrick Ryder, nassau county he said monday's party had been promoted via social media was sent throughout obviously with the community and invited a crowd of people there where they were serving alcohol and possibly also uh, liquid marijuana meanwhile a state department memo calls into question president biden's actions while serving as vice president in regards to ukraine and loan guarantees dating back to a january 2018 clip in which he talked about getting a prosecutor fired, something that that State Department memo suggests State Department officials didn't want to see happen. By the way, before you play anything, me and Bernard played this cut, I don't know, five years ago. The fact that all of a sudden, you've talked about this three times this morning, that all of a sudden it's new news, and I know John Solomon talked about it with John Katzmatidis last night, is a joke. They did not pay attention. They did not cover it. This clip is as old as Ronald Reagan's death. People are finally waking up. That's the good news. And that's Sid Rosenberg. And, of course, he's uh, absolutely right. We have played that clip many times on the news before, but uh, it is kind of recirculating. And then Mayor Adams is continuing his trip in Israel in Tel Aviv. He'll be back in the five boroughs tomorrow. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the WABC 5 a.m. news hour. 65 degrees, clear skies on this August 23rd, a Wednesday. It'll gradually become sunny and we'll warm up to about 77 degrees. Coming up, Sid and Friends in the Morning with Sid Rosenberg.
Listen. Seventy-seven WABC.